Cinema 7. This is the last episode. As you heard, the last ride tour ends here. We, we, we are stopping. We're going home. We're, all, we're just going home. We're retiring. We're, we're retiring. Even we're, though we're, we, said, we said we'd never retire. We're, reti- <laughs> we're retiring at the nice said, age of 32. We, we said we would never pull a Ric Flair. Or, wait, we... Okay, yeah, technically we are not pulling a Ric Flair by retiring because that man will never retire. He's still wrestling. He's he getting he in shape. Had, yeah, he just had his last wrestling. match two weeks ago. Who won? He did. He hit Good for Jeff him. Jarrett with a pair of brass knuckles, and then he put him in the figure four and pinned him with his shoulders down. Some part of that sentence I don't think is fair for the other wrestler, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure it wasn't a fair match to begin with. Yeah, I mean, he's 74. Come on. But this is the last episode. Uh, I am your host, Mr. Pineapple Pizza himself, Mario B. And I'm joined by my co-host, one of my best friends and yours, because I know he would. He would definitely be one of your best friends. I call him the Ayatollah of rock and roll. He's the smack-talking, sky-walking, daddy of the flock, Chris Hawk. That's me, baby. I love that. That was good. <laughs> I'm surprised. Why didn't we do that when we first started? You know what I'm saying? That could have been our thing the whole time. Could have been our thing. Man, past selves, fucking dumb. They were dumb. (laughs) But future selves. Future selves. We only get better. We're golden. Past selves, bunch of dumb dudes. Bunch of dumb dudes. Anyway, thank you for listening to our smooth jazz this episode. Not you. You weren't dumb. I was dumb. What? Yeah, I'm. I'm telling. I wasn't. You weren't dumb. I we all. Dumb. We're all. We're all dumb. We we all make mistakes. Just like this next line, I'm gonna say because it popped in my head. Let us jazz in your ear holes this episode, because today is a packed show, and we got our personal rankings of what we believe to be the best movies of the decade. That's coming up. That's gonna be the main event. We got news and notes, rumors, and opinions of what's out there in the trending world of entertainment. We got a fire nice special. It's supposed to be secret, but I just told you. That's right. It's going to be the way it was meant to be. We're ranking the movies of our favorite franchise. I am ranking the Predator and Alien movies, and Chris Hawk is ranking a franchise you would expect but wouldn't expect, if that makes any sense. Also, what in the heck is going on with the DCEU? I don't know. We're going to talk about it. All that is coming up on this last episode, and hopefully your ears don't throw up from all the excitement of me and Chris Hawk, because we're pumped. We've been preparing. We've been prepping. We are excited. 
Chris Hawk, how was your week? Pretty, pretty good. And we'll get to that age. You know, you're basically your body's starting to fall apart. So, you know, I had to get a physical, got to get some referrals, going to do some sleep studies and neurological exams, you know, all them janks. That's true. You got to go see the gastro doctor too, to make sure all your insides are working for your intestines. Just got to make sure all, all the inner workings are good. You know, the blood works tip top, you know, my urine's always perfect. Just my cholesterol, a little high. A little high? A little high. Well, I'm glad you're healthy, and I'm glad you're here with me on this last episode to do all this crazy stuff we're going to be doing. Mario, how was your week? My week has uh, been okay. Uh, the start of the week, I went to my grandmother's funeral. I spoke at the funeral. I, was, I, I wanted to be the first one to speak. I wanted to set the tone, and I, I wanted to do that for her. Also, I slept in my brother's basement for three days straight, and it was hot as balls in that basement. But the first night, it rained. And I'll tell you what, that definitely cooled me off. And I have to thank Grammy, Grammy Vi, because I know for certain she was looking out for me, and she made it rain that night. So I appreciate it, Grammy Vi. Then I came back after a long drive home. I worked for three days. Uh, I normally work for five days, so I'm thinking I work tomorrow, but I don't, but I'm going to enjoy my day off and I'm going to enjoy my next day off. And I don't know. I'm thinking about going to see the abandoned, uh, president heads in Williamsburg. <laughs> Make sure you take like, you know, go get like a rent a dog or something with you. I don't know. Oh, that would be a good business to rent a dog, but you need like a companion to go with you. Cause I bet you yes. that place is super sketch. That's why I'm going. In the daytime. It's on a farm. Like in the middle of nowhere. Does somebody own that farm or is it federal property? Uh, I, I don't know. From what I was told was these people bought this air, this land, this large area, and they wanted to build some kind of park or a, maybe like a, des- a tourist destination. And they had all these president heads. Apparently there's 42 president heads. And what ended up happening was they didn't have the full funding, so they had to abandon the project. I guess nothing ever came of it. I guess there's a Coles and a Target nearby because they were hoping that this place was going to be hopping and skipping. And unfortunately, now well, it's just- it should. This is Baby Rushmore. It should be hopping. <laughs> Baby Rushmore. Baby Rushmore. I mean, it should be hopping. It sh- it should definitely be hopping. I know you mentioned this to me, but. That you wanted to review it. Maybe we can go over it pretty quick because who knows how long this episode's going to be. What did you think of Prey, Chris Hawk? Because you finally watch it. Best, pre- best Predator movie of all time. Really? I'll say it right there. Best Predator movie of all time. Wow. Did you see yeah, what uh, uh, Jesse Ventura and Bill Duke said? Yeah, I did. I, and I love that because people were giving her tons of flack because she's a woman. I mean, just think about Terminator 2, Sarah Connor. Think about the Alien franchise with Sigourney Weaver's character, Ripley. Think about uh, all the badass women we've had in cinema, uh, Princess Leia in Star Wars. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, we get Rey and Skywalker and she's a Mary Sue. I don't know if they're saying this about this character, but they probably are. And just look how they're bad-mouthing 
uh, this character being a female a female lead. It's kind of dumb. She spends the whole movie learning how to take down the predator. There is no better way for this movie could have gone. Sarah Connor was a waitress at a diner. All her character development, physical character development, came off screen. We never see her train at all. She's already been trained. She's already been prepared. You know what I'm saying? For two, Terminator 2, always yeah. been prepared. Okay? Ripley, she became a hero by chance and luck. You know, it's... Yeah, the beginning of the first Alien movie, I don't even think she's the main character. I think it's the the bearded captain guy who talks to Mother, the computer. You know what? And if they followed Ripley's rules, that alien would have never came on board. She was the only one following protocol, but everyone's like, no, no, we got to get a guy back. And she's like, uh, no, but no one listened to her. She would if If they listened to her, none of that would have happened. Everyone would have been alive. That's true. What were some things you liked about the movie? Like that, that you, when you watched it, you were like, oh my goodness, holy shit, that's awesome. Like, wh- what are some uh, maybe elements or themes or just maybe action scenes that you really liked about the movie? I like how they, they really upped the, the backstory a little bit of the Predators. You know, they, they dealt, they ty- tried to explore what they do, why they do. You know, how doesn't go for bait, um, loves to hunt because, you know, there are a couple times where he could have just taken her out, but didn't. I also like how this predator became slowly, slightly unhinged and impatient as the movie went on, because at the beginning, the dude was actually hunting. You know, he's quiet, stealthy. And then as the movie goes on, he kind of goes Rambo. And that's kind of what kills him in the end. I love how hard they went into the Comanche lifestyle and the way of life they were doing and how the Indians weren't these big beefy dudes like from Hollywood standards, but they were these lean hunting machines. I really enjoyed that quick. And I mean, if that's truly how they worked together back then, it's just beautiful how they were able to capture that on the, and recreate it for the movie. I, uh, I will say in Predator 1, he doesn't go after, they figure out that he doesn't try to kill you or hunt you if you don't have a weapon. Because the girl picks up the weapon and Arnold kicks it out of her arms. And and that's what leads to the famous scene or line when he's like, get to the chopper. And uh, in Predator 2, the one woman's pregnant and he sees it uh, with his uh, vision one of his visions and he chooses not to uh kill her so that that's that has been a part of uh predator lore yeah i, re- I really liked how they added like they, they kept it in there or showcased it just how like these are the perfect killing machines but they still they have a code i'll tell you who probably doesn't like this movie and that's PETA. all those poor bisons man the wolf, the snake, the lion. Uh, I think there might have been a deer too at one point. Like they definitely did not like this movie. Animal activists stay away from prey unless you look at it as historical fiction. If you had to uh, rate the movie, what would you give it? 
I'd rate it very high. Um, it's one of those movies, honestly, for Chris Ock, where it's put it on again right after it ends because it's so good and I just want to watch it again and see all the things I missed. The highest recommendation from Chris Hawk. See it twice uh, in the same night. You think it'll be on your uh, final tier list at the end of the year? We'll have to wait and see, won't we? Let's get into this. Let's get into our favorite. We're going to start off with ranking our favorite film franchise or the movies in our favorite film franchise. Uh, like I said, I'm ranking Predator and Alien in a tier list. Chris Hawk, what movies are you ranking? I'm doing Mission Impossible, and it might be kind of easier than what I thought originally. Mm-hmm. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. How many movies total are in that uh, franchise? Right now, there's there six. There's six? Yeah, because you have Mission Impossible 1, 2, 3. You've got Ghost Protocol, Rogue Nation, and Fallout. So the reason I chose to do Alien along with the Predator movies for me is because there are Alien versus Predator, and I felt like it was only fair to include the Alien franchise with the Predator franchise. I did it with a tier list, so I have S tier, A tier, B tier, C tier, D tier, E tier. And uh, some of these might surprise Chris Hawk. But for my S tier, I have Predator 1987, the first one, and I have the first Alien. Those are the only two I have in S tier. Legendary movies. I honestly, I love Alien. It depends which movie I'm watching at the time. Alien or Aliens. I love them. I love it the most when I'm watching it. You know how that it. You know how that goes. Yeah, I, I, I think, I think any of these movies I can turn on and watch, uh, even if I think they're bad movies. Not saying that Predator and Alien are bad movies. I'm saying any movies in these franchises. I can just, like, whenever they're on, I can just rewatch them. So for A tier, I have Predator 2 because I quote that movie a lot. So I put it higher than probably what most people would put it. And I, I recognize that a lot of the acting in Predator 2 is bad, but the quotes are uh, legendary. They're uh, classic, iconic. Uh, so it, it's an A tier. I also have Aliens and I have Alien 3 because I really enjoy Alien 3. I know uh, it wasn't well received. It didn't make a lot of money. There's a whole bunch of hoopla about uh, how many times the script was rewritten and all that. But I absolutely love Alien 3. The director's cut is phenomenal. Uh, so I have it with Aliens and Predator 2 in A tier. Where's Prey? I have B tier. Which I have Alien vs. Predator, the first one. I have Predators, I have Prey, and I have Prometheus. Prometheus might be one of my favorite Alien movies. So it, I think everything about Prometheus filmmaking-wise is really good. The storytelling is different uh, for me, but I felt like it fits here with these other ones because Predators has kind of the same type of vibe with the the mis, the, the mystique, the mis, the mysterious element. Prey has a very alternate type of vibe for me, so I, I really think it fits in with these other movies. And Alien vs. Predator, uh, I think, did wonders for connecting uh, the Predator to the Alien franchise and setting up 
Wayland Industries and things like that. For the C tier, I have Alien Covenant and I have Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Uh, Alien vs. Predator Requiem gets on my nerves because they make the aliens look like butter when they're shooting them. But it does set up to the Alien franchise with Wayland Yutani because Yutani bought out Wayland and at the end she gets the Predator gun, which kind of alludes to how we do space travel. Uh, Alien Covenant was okay. It may, it, I don't think we liked it when we saw it. I think we talked about it on the podcast years ago. Not, not a big fan. Uh, D tier, I have The Predator. Uh, I thought this movie was absolutely garbage and I was disappointed. As a Predator fan, uh, I think everybody knew at the time once I said it how disappointed I was that maybe uh, this isn't the best movie out there. I do think Chris Hawk will like it because it, Shane Black is the director and he did Nice Guys and Chris Hawk really loved that movie. And there is a, in all of his movies, he has a theme of the main character working with a child. But I think Chris Hawk will like it for that because Chris Hawk also likes Iron Man 3. Um, so Chris Hawk might like The Predator. Me, not so much. In E tier, I have Alien Resurrection. Sigourney Weaver playing basketball. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's pretty cool. The white alien with the nose. I don't really like it. Reminds me of who from Whoville. I just am not a fan of Alien Resurrection. But that's my uh, ranking uh, tier list or letter grade tier list for the Predator and Alien franchises. I think it's a very good list. Um, I probably would have had Prey higher. But I'm just higher. Mm-hmm. I'm just I'm just super high on that movie. And I think they all fall in line of where I thought you would put them. Predators is higher than I thought. Uh, no, Predator 2 is higher than I thought you would. But I know you love that movie non-ironically. Uh, and oh, I, knew, man, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's there's lines like Scorpio is ready to <laughs> laugh at. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of lines in it like uh, what's the other one? It's pretty funny shit happens and you know they laugh about that or uh when they break into the old lady's apartment and danny glover's like uh, don't worry i'm a cop and the because the predator just ran through the ha- the apartment the old lady's like i don't think he gives a shit so there's a lot of funny stuff <laughs> in the movie to joke about but and i knew i knew aliens 3 would be high because you love that movie too i do i i really enjoy that movie and also, Aliens vs. Predator is high because I know you love that movie also. You're very high on that movie. I am very high on that movie, yes. You put some damn fucking word in that, man. I did. But there, man. That's crazy. All right. Mission Impossible. What What is your ranking of the movies? And let's hear it. So I like the tier list you did, so I'm probably going to stick with that. I got A, tier S, tier A, t- tier B, and then tier see really it's i don't there's not as many movies so mm-hmm. let's start with i'm gonna start from the bottom okay tier c i think it's obvious um there's nothing really wrong with mission impossible 2 it's just not my favorite <laughs> i i i had a uh i figured that you would put this here it's very stylistic i love john Woo as a director this movie just didn't do it for me. Um, the the action scenes phenomenal. You, John Woo, you know 
things are going to be crazy. When he kicks up that gun in the sand. <laughs> phenomenal. Look, motorcycle, the motorcycle scenes. Uh, iconic. Okay. Movie just didn't do it for me. Tier B. I think this is going to be surprising. Um, Mission Impossible 1. I think it's a very good entry movie. But where it starts, it's not as big as the other movies. So when you go back and watch the first one, it seems it's almost lackluster. Yes, I agree. Um, but I do. It's I love it. I mean, you have the most iconic Tom Cruise. Um, you know, you have the when he he's doing the um, the line scene with mm-hmm. the thing on his back, the uh, helicopter scene in the subway. It's just I was about to say it's very grounded until that scene, and it has some of the best players and actors: Ving Rhames, Tom Cruise, John Voight. You know, Jean Jean Reno, Jean Reno, the professional. Love that guy. Phenomenal. Then we start in that movie. Then we start getting to the harder choices I had to make to dwindle us down to A to S because there's a big, big difference between A to B and then S to A. Ghost Protocol is by itself an A. Wow. Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol is one of the most is one of the more entertaining Mission Impossibles. But I feel like Tom Cruise is the absolute star of that show, and his surrounding cast doesn't do as much. Um, Jeremy Renner, I feel, is kind of, you know, his story having to do with Tom Cruise's story. is It's really melodramatic. It doesn't really do it for me. I didn't mm-hmm. like it. It felt shoehorned in. And then Paula Patton, you know, She's good, but she's not as strong in the movie. The action, though, and the stunts are why I love this movie. I mean, that him climbing that tower is uh, it became super iconic, I think, because when that went down, I mean, almost any Mission Impossible movie, you can judge, not judge, but you can, uh, I guess, identify the movie by the stunt. Yeah, and I and I think that's what they've become now. And you have Rogue uh, Ghost Protocol becomes that talking point now, where he's like, Tom Cruise is actually doing these stunts. He fired his previous stunt recorder uh, coordinator because he wouldn't. The coordinator didn't want to do it, so he's like, I'm gonna do it. Fires him. <laughs> yeah, gets a gets a guy that allows him to do it. So Ghost Protocol starts Tom Cruise down the, down this path of doing obscenely crazy stunts now so we have ghost protocol we have ghost protocol to thank (laughs) for tier s which is i can't think you have you can't have these two movies in tier s without them being together because they have characters in both of them and they're basically a sequel like an instant direct sequel where the other mission impossibles have you know, characters and some themes and plots that sort of relate to the previous movie. While this one, Rogue Nation and Fallout, definitely they Fallout precedes Rogue Nation instantly, where the terrorist from the Rogue Nation is still a player and a villain again in Fallout. Um, and that's in Ezekiel. 
um, uh, Solomon Lane, I'm sorry. Solomon Lane is the villain for both of them. Also, it introduces one of the best female badasses of all time in Rebecca Ferguson. She is oh yes, breathtakingly beautiful, mm-hmm. but she is one of the best action artists out there. Phenomenal. She, uh, she is really good in those movies, and I would argue that those two movies are some of the best movies of the decade. You're not wrong. But there's one I left out, and that's Mission Impossible 3 to ride out to finish tier S. You even made me forget about Mission Impossible 3. Mission Impossible 3 is such a leap and bounds better than Mission Impossible 2, and it also kind of dwarfs 4. It is such a good spy movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman is probably the best villain of this series, in my opinion. The part where he has to pretend to be Tom Cruise, pretending to be him, is Mm -hmm. phenomenal acting. Some of the best acting in the entire (laughs) series. I'd give him an Oscar just for that scene. Same. And uh, I like how in Fallout, they brought back uh, his his wife. Yeah. Ethan Hunt's wife. You got to love the face mask, man. Was that the first movie that introduced the, the face? mask thing i'm gonna have to rewatch them again i'm gonna have to rewatch them well i like that list that was a good list i fi- that i would probably do the all of those the same way uh mission impossible 2 is probably the weakest but still pretty entertaining the first one i wouldn't put up there real high because uh it does kind of age itself and like i said i i thought it was grounded and until the the end in the tunnel but I think I think that's a pretty good list you got there, Chris Hawk. It's your list, so I can't argue against it. You know, Mission, they just keep on getting better and better. And that's it's difficult for a franchise to do that. As you know, as we see with Star Wars or Mar- mm-hmm. Marvel movies, you know, the quality, the return of quality, that it's diminishing returns. You know, it's how do you top something that's supposed to be the top at that moment? Yeah. And they, you know, they somehow do it. And, you know, what they're what they're doing is it's their their character relationships in the movies. You know, we care about Benji. We care about Ving Rhames. We cared about Jeremy Renner when he's when he was in there. We care about Rebecca Ferguson. We care about Tom Cruise's character. We cared about Alec Baldwin's character when he passed. You know, yeah, we care. We care about the characters. And that's why those movies are so successful. Angela Bassett, we care. Are you ready for this fire and ice segment? Are you ready for this? All right. I'm, I'm ready. So in honor of the 70s, 60s pop diva queen, Olivia Newton-John, may rest her soul in peace. Mario, there's only yeah. one right answer to this question. Okay. What's the best musical of all time? Footloose or Grease? Now, when you gave me this list of like these two things versus each other for musical, okay, Footloose musical? Chris Hawk, Footloose musical? It's more of a dancical. So you set Grease up to win. But because you did that, I'm going to argue for Footloose. <laughs> As the best <laughs> musical. 
You will lose. Time. You will lose. All right. Okay. Here are my. Here's why Footloose is the greatest musical of all time. The songs are not even sung by the characters in the movie. Okay. These m- songs were made for the movie, and they went on top of the charts outside of the movie. Okay. They're iconic. They're remembered. The Footloose song. It's. I mean, come on now. It's. It's amazing. Let's hear it for the boy. Yeah, you're darn right. Let's hear it for the boy. Because that guy's learning to dance in that scene. Footloose is the most fun, inspirational, overcoming of all odds movie. It's the best musical out there. And I'm sorry, Olivia Newton-John, but it's better than Grease. You. You. You got me. You got me because I already messed up. Footloose isn't a musical. But Grease has better music. Look, look, we started off with Frankie Valley. Grease is the word right there in the beginning of the song. Grease is the word. Okay, you can't beat that. <laughs> you can't beat that. You can't then you got that. and you have these super old actors playing teenage kids. You can't beat that, Mario. You I believe that they're in high school. I believe too. Knocked up in high school, smoking in high school. Oh, I'm sure they look, did that then. Look, every single song's a banger. In Greece, okay. Oh, summer nights, summer nights, banger. Hopelessly devoted to you, banger. You're the one they want, banger. Okay, beauty school dropout, banger. All right, they all sing it, okay. So therefore, I set myself up to win this competition. You did because I said best musical. <laughs> I think Greece. You can't go against Danny Boy. John Travolta. Okay. I don't know. Look, Kevin Bacon in a tank top will take on, okay, Danny Boy, John Travolta in a leather jacket any day of the week. But watch, to be fair, watch yourself, Footloose boy. really isn't a musical. So you yeah. set me up to fail, but I'm I still did. trying to argue that Footloose is the best dancical out there of all time. Even this is like this is like asking me to argue which is the best musical between Scott Pilgrim versus the World and La La Land. Clearly, it's Scott Pilgrim versus the World, and I hate that movie. <laughs> I think I think I think we can agree we love the crap out of both these movies. Yes, we do. Music Greece as a one of the top five musicals of all time, correct. Footloose as probably the best danceable movie of all time. Yes, I just made that up. Yeah, Scott I mean, Pilgrim versus the World clearly one of the the best musicals ever made because of Brie Larson. Yeah, hundred percent. That movie about putting baby in a corner. Yeah, dumb. Footloose is where it's at. Okay, can't even think of that movie right now with Patrick Swayze. I can't even think about it. That was a good one, though. That was a good one. It's you almost good, had me. But it's not Footloose. That's true. <laughs> it's, it's good, but it's not Footloose good. Uh, so let's get into some news and notes. So the first episode that we ever did, the first day on the job, it's called. We had a lot of Star Wars talk. We discussed some Marvel Civil War because that came out. That was the big thing. Chris Hawk really loved it. Uh, the questions I ask 
Next are sprinkled in with some recent news and rumors and are related to the topics we discussed on our very first episode. We also discussed this guy. His name, Mace Windu. Because they were rumoring, they were rumoring, there was rumors back then that Mace Windu was coming back. And it's back. Okay, those rumors are back. So the Mace Windu news I have is that he's probably going to be in, well, maybe, it's rumored that he's going to be in Book of Boba Fett Season 2. Now, if this happens, maybe Chris Hawk's Mace Windu and and Star Wars pitch it actually come to for uh come come true. I'm gonna have to go back and listen because I completely forgot my Mace Windu story. I went back and I listened to it just because. And you you wanted some kind of like raid uh between uh, like a raid movie where they go into this this building or tower and they're trying to Boba Fett's trying to get the Mace Windu. Uh I you pitched it twice. You pitched it, I think, for the Mace Windu episode because we did a pitch it or fix it for a Mace Windu movie, and we did one for a Star Wars story. And I think you tried to pitch uh, Mace Windu and Boba Fett again because you wanted to redo it. Would you be okay with Mace Windu coming back for Book of Boba Fett season two? I'm tired of legacy characters. My God, of course I want Mace Windu to come back, but can we but, get some ori- can we get some original stuff? <laughs> This is going to tie agree. into I agree. this is going to tie into your your Star Wars question down the line. Like what should the the next Star Wars be big screen movie? Stay mm-hmm. away from the stay away from the trilogies. Stay away from the legacy characters. Just make brand new characters that people can fall in love with. Yes, do something new. Something different. Do John Kenobi's Jedi and Sith trilogy movie idea. That's what I want them to do. Do it. Be the best thing. They don't have the cojones to do it, but if they did they it, don't. It, 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 it'd be worth it. It'd pay off because it's never been done before. And then after that, Marvel's going to copy everything that John Kenoki was talking about. <laughs> They're going to hire royalties. Also, that's trending right now is Mark Ruffalo says that all Star Wars movies feel the same and that each MCU movie is different. Now, I have strong feelings about this, Chris. Hawk. How do you feel about this statement? It's well, I just don't understand why why we have to compare things to another. Just if you like something, just let it lie. You know, it's just like all the Marvel fans that get on Martin Scorsese when he talks about Marvel, or when he doesn't talk about Marvel because he doesn't have to. You're talking mm-hmm. about one of the one of the best living directors of all time. Let Marvel people let like Marvel movies like, and yeah and. Like, who cares if Martin Scorsese doesn't like Marvel movies? No one. It doesn't matter in the infinite cosmos of the infinite possibilities. Martin Scorsese's opinion on Marvel movies doesn't matter and shouldn't matter to you. If you enjoy Marvel movies, enjoy Marvel movies. Now, look, I appreciate Mark Ruffalo for his work in advocating for equality and going out and protesting. I love it when I see that. I'm like, Mark Ruffalo, you're one of the real ones. but. I get a different feeling with each Star Wars movie I watch. And I can run them down right now if I wanted to, but I won't. No, do it. Do it? Last, okay. ep- last, ep- last episode, do Let's it. Let's do it. Okay. The feeling I get in episode one, I get a sense of immersement. Immersement? I get very immersed into the world of episode one because of the world building, 
all the different creatures and the different planets we get to see in this one. And there's a sense of awe. The lo- I'm just enthralled by the lore in episode one. So I get this, this feeling of like, I'm in a new place. Episode two, uh, there's uh, almost like a detective story behind it. So I get like this, this uh, mysterious vibe when I watch episode two. It's almost like a noir movie. I, there's a lot of uncertainty with the plot. And I'm waiting to find out what the big reveal is. Episode three, super dramatic, uh, heartbreaking. You know what's going to happen, but you don't want it to happen. There's an intensity to the emotions I feel during episode three. I'm a little heartbroken because you don't want Anakin and Obi-Wan to lose their relationship. You don't want to see Padme die. And I think when you look at it deeply, you yourself don't want to lose the important relationships in your life. If you're not with me, then you're (laughs) my my enemy. enemy. In episode four, I think I, I do get a sense of hope with that movie. That movie does give me hope. That feeling of wanting to be in that that galaxy and seeing those creatures. And I, I think it's just uh it's it's exciting. It's something it's a sense of um of something larger. You know, it's it's like your dad telling you a bedtime story and you believing it with episode five, it's storytelling at its finest. I'm there for the ride and it's like, I'm not even watching a movie. It's probably what people from the thirties saw when they first watched gone with the wind or when people first saw 2001, a space odyssey. It's filmmaking at its finest. I'm watching art. Now, episode six, I get this whole vibe. uh, I get this feeling of family. I get a feeling of overcoming your demons, overcoming the darkness inside of you to really do what's best, you know, for the greater good. The sequel trilogy, you know, it's all nostalgia in, uh, oh, wow, look at that. Oh, wow. Who's that? Oh, my God. I remember that. Oh, you remember that? Oh, I remember. You know, like it's all nostalgia. So maybe if he's talking about the sequels, I understand. But with the other Star Wars movies, I, I get I get a different sense every time I watch it. I just don't know why we got to comment on it. It's click. It's clickbait. Yeah, I don't know. But I can't name one MCU director. Maybe the Russo brothers. I guess Sam Raimi. Can you name anybody else? Um, <laughs> I think that answers my question. Uh, John Favreau, Shane Black. Oh, that's right, John Favreau. Uh, oh yeah, that's right, Shane Black. I'm trying to think of Iron Man Three. I just mentioned it. Scott Deckerson. I don't know who that is. He did uh, first Doctor Strange, and then the guy, the guy that did Suicide Squad. That guy, James Gunn. James Gunn. Oh, he did, that's uh, right. He did Guardians. Was it Barry Jenkins? I don't know who that is either. Black Panther? Am I wrong? Yes, you are way wrong. I think it's Ryan Cooper. Ryan Coogler. Coogler. Okay. He did Creed as well. That's what I was thinking. Uh, Yes. Uh, Keeping with the Marvel discussion, did you see the MODOK concept art? Oh, that's terrible. 
So you say you really feel croissant. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. I guess he's going to be in the, the Ant-Man Wasp movie. Quantum Mania. I, I don't know how I feel about that. hope it looks better in the movie. Because right now that doesn't... I mean, MODOK looks crazy anyway. MODOK's a crazy, a crazy concept to begin with. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing that Chris Hawk brought to my attention is this whole thing that is going on with physical media. And Chris Hawk, if you want to, I think we talked a little bit about it last time, but if you wanted to uh, talk about it more, because this can lead into us talking about the DCEU and all the madness going on there. So Martin Scorsese has a firm, a foundation, where he, what they do is they take quality time and they try to restore old movies that usually don't have DVDs, Blu-rays, yada, yada, yada. Um, and his firm came out in March and said that basically half of all American films made before 1950 or, are lost, and none of the major distributors are looking for them. Even worse, they said that more than 90% of films made before 1929 are lost forever. And that's terrible. Like, it makes me want to buy physical copies of certain things now. Like, all the stuff that the DC or WB is canceling, I want to buy physically now. Doom Patrol, Titans, I want to I find it and buy it on DVD. So I have yes. it. Yeah, so they cancel the season. It's only a matter of time before they cancel the show, and you never can watch it ever again unless you pirate. It's just scary to think something that's so symbiotic that some of these things something that's yeah. so close to american culture that is when you think of american culture movies and music is like one of the first things you, you know movie stars we're kind of up in their biz every day they kind of run the show here in america it's you know it's not a good thing but it just it's kind of that's what happens when entertainment is one of the centerpieces of your society and the fact that that history is starting to disappear. The fact that that history is not being taken care of, it just shows you the mindset the generations are going. And that's what's or next. Or just how fast society moves on. Right. So like, sure, you might not want to watch old silent movies, but that's history. Yeah. That's Even footage sh- we could have for reels or just we can remake some of that stuff possibly if we have the footage to look off of it to study it so hold on to your physical media even if it doesn't last that long i've i've heard rumors that dvds only last like 12 years which i don't know if that's true because um we're going back to laser disc right mara doesn't your dad watch didn't your dad watch predator every night every day or is that just a recording or is that a vhs well, I watched it on VHS with Spaceballs and The Wraith with Charlie Sheen. I have to say that because people don't know what The Wraith is. Uh, he, We did end up buying multiple copies of the DVD. I think we had every version they came out with. And he had it on loop for like three nights straight some, at most sometimes. You know, he, he would watch it. It'd be on loop all night. It'd get to the menu. You'd hear the menu music all morning. And then that same night, we turn the TV back on and we're watching it all over again. He loves physical media. He, he loves his DVDs. 
And that's mostly because he didn't have cable. So, uh, and I remember the last episode we did together, uh, you were saying how streaming services can delete digital media. So if you can get a physical copy of something that's been on Netflix or that's, you know, any way you can get a copy of something just so if they do remove it, you have it. You got to do that too now, apparently. Yeah. I mean, how else are you going to get it? Netflix is under is under no obligation to release its stuff or any other streaming service. You know, how else could you watch old animated Disney movies unless you had them on VHS or DVD now, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I really hope we get, they keep all the footage and possibly the entire movie that they edited and put together for Batgirl because, uh, hopefully we can get that one day because I really want to see it. The same goes for the flash, even though Ezra Miller's kind of a, a dickwad with whatever's going on. He definitely needs help. He should definitely go to therapy. Someone needs to do an intervention soon before he goes off. I mean, it already seems like he went off the rails, but tell me how that movie is still being shown and Batgirl got shelved. Just tell me. Is it because he's white? It's probably because he's white. It's probably because that's he's what it dumb. seems like. He's, he's dumb and dumb. I just here's, privilege is so dumb. It's just so dumb. It is. And here's here's some other things that cor- correlate with what you just said. Supergirl, who's Hispanic, uh, Michael J. Uh, the J., Bla- uh, Michael B. Jordan, Jordan's the black, black Black Superman movie, amazing the Black Superman movie, and Static Shock are in jeopardy to be canceled. There's a common denominator there. But Peacemaker 2 is uh, still moving forward. They're trying to revive the Snyderverse, apparently. That's one of the big rumors. The news also hinted at Ezra Miller did reshoots during this summer while he was having his legal issues. Chris Hawk, I, it does sound a little, little racist or... Or discriminatory. DC can't do anything right. And they're never going to be able to do anything right. Unless they start. You know, Marvel is slowly becoming a inclusive um, entertainment franchise. You know, they, they've gotten big enough to where it doesn't matter. They can hire whoever they want. And they will continue mm-hmm. to do so. Because they are outreaching. They're trying to outreach as many types of fans as possible. But do you think it took too long? I de- Definitely. The whole... The first Avengers, all white people, one female. That is true. And it don't t- forget how Black Widow took a back seat for like 10 movies or 10 years. What is she doing out there with that mini, a nine? You know what I'm saying? With a nine. Mm-hmm. With a nine. Also, so whatever, whoever they preview the movie with, whatever audience that they test screen the movies with, I don't know if it's the 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 company itself, you know, people within that, the board of directors, whoever whoever they test screen these movies with. Batgirl scored a 60%. Apparently Black Adam scored a 60% as well. Also, one movie that people really loved scored a 60% and that was It Chapter 1. It doesn't matter what you score it seems like because if you put it out, people could still gravitate towards it or it could catch on and have a following. So I don't understand why they, they, they didn't just take the risk since it was done. 
Not only that, they had a Crisis on Infinite Earths movie planned uh, before the Di- Discovery merger, and I guess that's also not happening. I'm just so disappointed. Uh, Chris Hawk, you'll, you'll uh, like this news. Actually, I don't know if you'll care. Hogwarts Legacy is delayed until February 2023. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Hopefully that means they're working on the game. Hopefully their developers aren't in crunch mode and it's just the developers now that are just taking the brunt force of it. Just like the Halo, mm-hmm. um, Halo, like Halo's uh, developers got into crunch time because they were on a timeline and they didn't meet it. Infinite yeah. is what it is. You know, we got to pay our FX artists and our video game uh, developers more money. As you can see, Disney is suffering. Their movies do not look as good. I agree with that. On the first episode as well, Chris Hawk and I also talked about Star Trek Next Generation. I wanted to say right here on the podcast, I don't know if Chris Hawk knows, but Star Trek Strange New Worlds is getting a season two, and they said it's going to be, it's going to have much bigger risks. It's going to develop a lot of Kirk and Spock's relationship, and there's going to be a crossover with Lower Decks. I'm here for all of it. I just, the only thing, the only, I'm only apprehensive is because they're a prequel. And so there's timeline issue stuff that they have to follow. But other than that, it's the best Star Trek I've ever seen. Everyone I talk to, both my dads, my father-in-law and my real dad, they Mm -hmm. do nothing but praise the absolute heck out of this show. You know, it gives me something to talk Star Trek with them because, you know, I don't, I'm not as big as a Star Trek fan as they are, but this show is making me a bigger Star Trek fan. I'm even going back and rewatching all the original uh, series right now. Good thing about Strange New Worlds, they care about the characters. The characters are pivotal. You know, sometimes the it's usually like old episodes of Star Trek. You got an A plot, B plot. B plot's the, the crew. The A plot's what's happening to the crew. It's just as important sometimes as the A plot. And you get that a lot in Strange New Worlds. And they're... Focusing on the characters make it a big part of why the show is successful because the characters are empathetic. They act as a team. They do good. I mean, what else could you want from a Star Trek show? After they the, do like, do good. Yeah, after the relentless movies that were okay and Discovery, which honestly, a lot of people bag on Discovery, but I, I enjoy it. But it doesn't feel like Star Trek as much as Strange New World does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I also think that Chris Hawk needs to watch the Orville because season three is super serious and it's a lot like uh, Star Trek Next Generation. I would recommend the Orville, especially New Horizons season three to anyone. It starts off a little uh, wonky because the if you watch the first two seasons, it does have a lighter tone to it. It does have a lot of comedy aspects. So when you get to season three and it gets really serious, you're a little like, what's going on here? But by the fifth episode or fourth episode, you're all in. I do remember you and John were apprehensive about it, but it's gotten better. Yes. Yeah. In the beginning, we definitely were like, I don't know about this. This is a little weird. And I felt like Seth MacFarlane is phoning it in. I mean, I still do a little bit, but as it goes on, it gets uh, way better. And the last four episodes are phenomenal.
So let's do it. Let's get in the main event, Chris Hawk. Well, looks like we've had enough talk. It's time for the main event. We're ranking the best movies of the decade. I don't know how Chris Hawk's doing it, but I'm doing a top 10. You did a top 10 list? I did. <sighs> oh, shit. But I have some honorable mentions. Actually, you describe how you're ranking the, the movies first. You know what? I'm going to do a top 10 also. You're going to do it right now, top 10? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my list right now, and it kind of already How did you do like it before, a, though? I did tier one, tier two, but I like your oh, top 10 okay. list. Might as well. Let's do it. Well, these are my honorable mentions. Oblivion, John Carter, A Walk Among the Tombstones, Saw It on My Birthday, Godzilla, Maze Runner, I think it's memorable, Sicario, Swiss Army Man, Sorry Justin Genova, Lost Episode, The Wailing, Must See, Train to Busan, uh, Totally Revolutionized Zombie Movies, Morris from America, Shin Gojira, Dr. Sleep, I fell asleep twice watching that movie, I was Dr. Sleep. Get Out, we still talk about it. I think it had a big impact on pop culture and society. Avengers Endgame, I'll never forget the movie experience I had in Ohio. Jingle Jangle, we need more of this. Representation Matters. A Writer's Odyssey, it's a must-see. Chris Hawk, you need to see that movie. The Harder They Fall, need more Western movies like this. Tick, Tick, Boom, Nope, The Outfit, and The Batman. That's my honorable mentions. All right, you want to hear my honorable mentions? Yes. All right, we got Swiss Army Man, La La Land, Sing Street, Arrival, Uncut Gems, Get Out, Pacific Rim, Shin Godzilla, Interstellar, Prey, Hamilton, Mission Impossible Fallout, and Endgame. So uh, do you want to go back and forth? We'll do 10, then 9, then 8, 7. Do you want to do it that way? Let's do it that way. Okay. So my number 10 is Django Unchained. <laughs> completely forgot about that movie. <laughs> you want to throw it in your honorable mentions? It's in my honorable mentions, yeah. All right, my number 10 is Sicario. I can dig it. My number nine is Creed. Not to be confused with the band. My number nine is Ex Machina. That's a good one, too. I completely forgot about that movie. My number eight is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Such a good movie. My number eight is Mad Max Fury Road. My number seven, Birds of Prey, the Harley Quinn movie. Oh, I I was expecting that to be like top five for you. You absolutely love that movie. I did. What are we on? Seven? Yeah. Number seven. A movie we both loved a lot. Hell or High Water? (laughs) Yes, it's on the list. My number six is Logan. My number six. I wish John Kenoki was here because I think this would be in his top five. (laughs) Your name. You know, uh, I wanted to put that on here and I was going to put it in my honorable mentions and I completely forgot as I was writing it down. But that is definitely one of the best movies of the, de- of the decade. And it's an anime. Chris Hawk already said this movie. My number five, Hell or High Water. Me and Chris Hawk absolutely love this movie. There's an episode on it that we talk about it. Go listen. This is the last episode. Go listen. Who cares? Go listen. 
<laughs> yeah, I'm keeping the episodes up. So this is we're in fives now, huh? Yeah, top fives. All right, top five. Number five, probably one of my favorite cop dramas of the last ten years, and that's going to be Wind River. Wow. Number four for me is War for the Planet of the Apes. I cannot believe that's not your number one. What the heck? What is in your top three? (laughs) Okay. I think this is no surprise. I think you guys have heard me talk about this movie a lot on this podcast. Actually got to make sure this movie. Okay, good. And this is one of probably it, it could have been number one. Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. I still haven't seen that movie. Dude, it will haunt you how good he is as a sociopath in that movie. My number three, that's where we're on, right? Three? We're on three, baby. My number three is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I still need to see this movie. I think it comes at no surprise for number three. Star Wars Episode Seven: The Last Jedi. Episode eight, but yes. Episode eight. Episode eight. Episode eight. It's okay. It last Jedi. My number two ends with a two, and that's Paddington two. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> forgot about Paddington. <laughs> Paddington. Paddington two is the perfect movie. There is nothing wrong with this movie. There's nothing. The only way, the only reason why it's number two is because Mari just liked another movie better. That's the only reason. Otherwise, it'd be number one. For me, Mario already mentioned this movie, but it's probably my favorite Spider-Man movie of all time, and it's Into the Spider-Verse. So good. Deserves all the praise. My number one movie of the decade. I've seen it five times in the movie theaters. Chris Hawk shunned it on his list of being higher than it was, and that is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Look, Catching Fire was better, okay? <laughs> Catching Fire was good. That's the second one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good, but I don't know if it was better, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> my number one movie. Mari, can you guess what my number one movie is? I want to know if you can guess. <laughs> number one? Oh, man. Uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a tie, Mario. It's a tie. It's a tie? Between Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. What? And and Blade Runner 2049. Wow. I forgot about Blade Runner 2049. I still need to sleep on it. I've watched it three times now, and I love it every time. More every time I watch it. So we're going to run through these real quick. Um, My top ten movies of the decade is Django Unchained, Creed, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Birds of Prey, Logan, Hell or High Water, War for the Planet of the Apes, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Paddington 2, and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I had Sicario, Ex Machina, Mad Max Fury Road, Hell or High Water, Your Name, Wind River, Nightcrawler, the Last Jedi, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Blade Runner 2049. Those were 
our best movies of the decade. Maybe you guys have different movies on there. Maybe you guys don't think the movies that we picked are that good. That's okay. We don't care. Those are our top 10 movies of the year, of the last decade. Cinema 7. What's your favorite moment? My favorite podcast moment? Yeah. I think my favorite podcast moment was, it had to be the time, was it, I think it was when we pitched Star Wars movie, me, you, and John, but it was at the end of the episode, so we got to riff off of everyone's ideas and make up our own, and it was the ultimate sponge of uh, ridiculousness, and in all honesty, Doing the podcast with Chris Hawk and John, my two best friends, that's the greatest podcast moment for me because I got to respect their opinions more. I got to see things from their perspectives. Uh, Our relationships grew. Our bonds became stronger. They're, I mean, they they already were, but I think because of the podcast and, and doing something creative and talkative, discussion based with them. It just made them feel more like family to me. So anytime we did a pitch it or fix it, anything, anytime we did an R take when it was the three of us, I think was my favorite moment on the podcast. I will agree. But also some of the moments from our podcast is basically just our moment from the theater. So I am going to name yeah. some of the, like our interview with Paul Cram was one of my favorite moments actually trying to inter- interview an actor. Um, it was a very fun experience, um, eye-opening on how to ask questions to an actor and just riffing and letting the interview go where it goes and not being as formal or organized. And you I mean, know, just, you talked to him 30 minutes about soap. I mean, honestly, people are passionate about their hobbies, and I'm pretty sure he probably could have talked much longer on the topic. Chris um, Megan, yeah, Chris that Megan. That was fun. Uh, she it, was she was, was awesome. It, was it Chris Megan or Megan McGann? Chris McGann. You're right. Maybe that's maybe we just combined both names. Yeah, she was sorry. Phenomenal. Yeah, in that Halle Berry movie, phenomenal. Yeah, and she was cool too because she got super uh, cool. She she shared it and on her social media and. She still messaged us to see how we were doing. Awesome. I love her. Uh, Hurricane Heist will always be an all-timer. And, but I think one of the best moments ever, other than Endgame, um, is when me, you, and John went to go see Den of Thieves. Han. <laughs> <laughs> and he says, get the saw. <laughs> there will never be a more electric moment in a theater. When it was electrifying. Thing, dude, when that thing went off, the audience went ballistic. The sound of that gun in that movie was so scary loud. The audience recoiled with the gun. It was just a electric experience. It was just one of the best parts of the movie. I will always remember that. Because we could not, we could, we were incredulous. Just how, yeah, get the saw. The what? Excuse the <laughs> hell out of me. <laughs> and, and it, it was, I think also the added to it is 
because we used to play Ghost Recon a lot. Like we'd all go over my house or whoever's house. We'd play Ghost Recon because it's four player and the only gun like that we used, we would always make a big deal about getting the saw and we would yell it. It'd be like saw when we saw Hurricane Heist and like we just could not stop laughing in the movie theater. We we were laughing so hard we made the people in front of us leave. And I, I still feel bad to this day. And we also I don't were you there for Star Trek the fir- the 2009 when we all went to go see that? I know this is before the podcast, but I, I don't remember if you were there. Oh wait. Where, when the girl got sucked out and then Oh yeah, got, they did laugh again real quiet. And then he goes, She'll be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Or and then with the 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 green um, alien, the yeah, the, the little green alien. They, they thought it left. looked like one of the, yeah. They thought it looked like one of their friends. <laughs> Hilarious. That was a good time. That was that's a, an all time. That was an all timer. So thank you, Chris Hawk, for being on the podcast with me. Thank you, Mario, for starting the podcast. Well, Josh Haddix gave me the idea. So, well, Josh Haddix isn't here, and possession is nine tenths of the law. You run this <laughs> shit, all right. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to end it on a Josh joke, and that is, what did Cinderella say when she got to the ball? She said, ugh. All right, see you guys next year. So weekly recommends. Chris Hawk, do you have a weekly recommend? I do, because I just started it today, and I burned through half of it, half of it almost. Um, I will say my last week re- recommend was Light and Magic, the ILM story about George Lucas and Industrial Light and Magic and Pixar. It's very, very informative and entertaining and a lot of personalities deal were dealt were dealed were in ilm and it's just amazing to see where we came from in 1977 to where we are now but my weekly recommend is the sandman on netflix it's incredible i've always wanted to read the the sandman stories from uh neil gaiman it's about um dreams one of the endless. He's a god. He's the god of dreams and nightmares, and he gets trapped by a human magician, uh, magic user. And so the dream realm that he lived in is like all tore up, and he's powerless because he all his shit got stolen. And he's going. He's trying to reclaim everything. And it's such a magnificent story with these magical, fantastical um, figures from history like lucifer and desire and it's just so good i've always wanted to read this story but it's it's expensive so getting to watch it is the next best thing and the acting is just downright phenomenal how about the part when he uh comes out of the this the oval egg thing that he's in naked yeah and <laughs> he blows the sand and those two cops just instantly <laughs> fall down Amazing. Have you have you watched it all yet? No. It's good. I couldn't stop watching. And the guy's a total hunk, super in shape, like shredded. Okay, he's toned, he's leaned. I, I just don't get it. I'm jealous. Anyway, my weekly recommend is what Chris Hawk said was his last week weekly recommend, and that's Light and Magic. Chris Hawk suggested it to me. He knew that I would love this, and I absolutely did. Uh, it gets a little kind of the pacing of of them uh going over things once they get to et or after et it's 
it quickens and they kind of just go over things. It feels like, but the early episodes where they're talking about star Wars is everything I love about behind the scenes stuff. Uh, if you love behind the scenes docuseries, if you love watching the extra features on the DVDs and finding out how they made the movie, this is some of the best stuff I've ever seen. And it's pretty cool to see how the people who started light and magic or started in light and magic uh you know where their roots are and how they got inspiration and i said it on the thank you episode because i had to give a shout out to chris hawk for uh, suggesting it to me but the the level of detail that george lucas uh wanted in, in these projects i just can't give him enough credit and thank him enough for that level of detail and especially for what he gave in the prequels, the just the overall work that these people did and the things that they made or invented just to make those movies is phenomenal. And they deserve all the credit. And I said it on the last episode too, but where's the Skywalker sound docuseries, please. And thank you. Yeah. You, you got to love George Lucas in these. show. <laughs> just think about it. You know? Yeah. J- just think about it. You know, circle back. Think about it. Yeah. <laughs> just just that little, just think about it. Egging on. It, it's so it's such a funny thing. Like, you, you don't, like, I mean, I guess I don't know a lot about George Lucas, but the fact that he's, he's like that supportive, but also. Like deadpan. Uh, yeah. And hyper, I don't know how about hyperactive, but he, he's very, I wouldn't say a control freak, but he likes it his way. I think there's a better way to to say control freak. Yeah. Or um, he's precise. The best is the one guy that uh, wanted to leave because he was getting burnt out. And he said, how about this? Go to film school. (laughs) I'll put you through film school. I'll put you through film school. You stay on for part time and do your own thing. Did you look up what movies Joe Johnson did, directed? No. Dude. Dude. He's directed some classics, Mario. Really? Some classics. Okay, let's start it off right here and there, my guy. Go for it. Captain America, The Wolfman, Hildago, Jurassic Park 3, October Sky, one of Chris Hawk's favorite movies of all time, Jumanji, The Page Master, The Rocketeer, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You know, I did feel like Captain America, the first Avenger, did feel like Rocketeer. That's funny you say that. It did have an Indiana Jones vibe, too. I yeah, say vibe he, a lot. He, he's done a lot of Indiana, young Indiana Jones movies. Go check out Light and Magic and check out The Sandman on Netflix. Those are our weekly recommends. But we end the last episode like we've been doing, and that's talking about something positive. And that's talking about also motivating and reinforcing self-love and self-care and just empowering your mental health in general. And Chris Hawk is going to start us off to end this podcast in the most motivational, best advice he has. So this actually just happened recently. So Chris Hawk has known his wife, Brittany Hawk, for 13 years married for eight 
There's been some wow, great eight years already. Yeah, it will be eight this year. We've had some fantastic times, some great times, some good times, some not so great times, some terrible times, and some almost fucking terrible, super terrible times. And lately, we went through a phase, uh, and that's normal, or at least that happens to some marriages. It's called the roommate phase. It's where you both get stuck in routines. Um, and usually happens when people have kids and you are so busy working, taking care of the kids in the house that you don't nourish each other, that you aren't communicating as much. You aren't uh, being as physical or intimate as much. You aren't being a partner and you know, it, it sucks. You know, it happens. And it's not something that we were both trying to do. It's just you get into a rhythm, you get into a habit, and it just sort of happens. We were not the best to each other. Um, we weren't very nice to each other. We were somewhat indifferent, and it was, you know, it was always about the kids. And it got to the point where a lot of our family did not think um, we were going to last much longer. So we had a serious talk and it turns out, as always, communication is the downright key to any, any relationship. And that is something that has been lacking between the both of us. So we are taking definite strides to communicate better to each other. Um, it's still a process. It's not like it changed overnight, you know, and it's magically we're instantly feel like newlyweds again. You know, this is a relationship and a marriage is work. And this is something that we kind of left to the wayside. And so now we're working on it again. And it's good. You know, it's that's good. Yeah, it's. It's communication sucks. is key because it's, it's the absolute most important. If you if you can't communicate, it's uh, it you definitely get stuck continuing to not communicate properly. And I know Chris Hawk said marriage, but this goes for any relationship, significant other, or partnership. Uh, a lot of I can relate to a lot of that because I think some of that happened to my last relationship and. You know, I, I don't think you need kids or I don't think you need to be married to experience that type of thing. And I've, I've gone through that where sometimes even when you try to communicate, the other person isn't either ready or wants to communicate. So that makes it harder. And that, that happened to me on both sides where I didn't want to communicate or they didn't want to communicate. You're not going to be able to find or solve things if you don't communicate. And it, when me and my ex broke up, one of the things she said to me was, I'm tired of hashing things out. And I felt like that broke my heart more so than anything else because I felt like hashing things out was a part of the relationship. 100%. We're hashing. And Brittany hash things out every day. That's what you do. Yeah. And I'm not trying to shit on them or, or, I'm not trying to make them sound bad. You know, obviously we were going through something. Uh, it wasn't getting any better. They had to do what they had to do. But 
The communication is a big thing you have to work on and it's hard and you have to learn how each other communicate and you have to, I would say, you know, uh, give each other time to communicate too. Like, hey, I want to communicate. I want to talk about this. I want to discuss this, but let's do it when you're ready because sometimes forcing someone to communicate can just make it worse and, and you frustrate each other. But if, if you love someone and, you know, let's say someone says something to me like, hey, I want to talk about this. I'd be like, okay, well, let me gather my thoughts and then we'll talk about this. Because that also translates that you do want to improve the relationship. You do want things to get back on the right track. And uh, I think everything that Chris Hawk is saying is, and I appreciate Chris Hawk being open about that because Chris Hawk usually isn't open about that type of stuff. Because if anything happened between Chris Hawk and Brittany, I, I would, that's the end of the world. You know, that, that's, <laughs> you might as well just, yeah, I'm, you know, <laughs> might as well just nuke everything. Uh, that's how much I believe in their relationship. So you have to communicate. And the thing that I wanted to talk about, which I think correlates with learning how to communicate and learning how to talk with your partner is growth. And sometimes growth looks like it's getting looks like it's getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and short-term discomfort is good for long-term peace and it's a challenge to grow and you you're gonna grow you're growing every day you're always constantly working on yourself if you hear chris hawk like as an individual i look up to chris hawk and his relationships with his family with his wife with his kids and i'm like chris hawk got it all he got it all. But from what he just said, he's still working on things. They're still working on things. So you're always constantly growing. And it I feel like that's humbling to know that other people are still working on things. And uh, growth looks different for everybody. And it's not always the fastest who wins the race. I know that's a cliche that people say, but I think that's true. Because you might not grow financially. You might not grow with all the things that you want, but you grow mentally and you grow from the experiences you have and how you treat others. Preach. Chris Hawk, is there anything else you wanted to add? I think you covered it all, my friend. I think I think what we wanted to share with you guys these six years, seven years, is that mm-hmm. we're just we're just a bunch of geek guys who want to talk about movies and then also grow as human beings and you know, try to critique movies in a way that's positive. I think we've learned over time that if we didn't like a certain movie, we didn't trash it. We just, we personally didn't like it because it's somewhere out there. Every movie said it was a letdown. Yeah. Somewhere out there. Each movie is someone's favorite movie. Just like Mark Ruffalo. (laughs) Just just let people like what they want to like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I think we wanted to do with this podcast is not, we're not going to just review the good movies. We're going to review the bad movies because we might like the bad movies. When we started the podcast, all of our opinions were, I wouldn't say all of our opinions are the same, but in the beginning, it was definitely, we didn't understand each other's opinions on film or we did but we didn't truly respect it and i think with the podcast we learned how to state something as our opinion or this is what we thought because everyone 
does in entertainment have their own opinion. Uh, the only time you shouldn't have another opinion is when you're treating people a certain way. Because you you should, and like Chris Hawk said a couple episodes ago, you got to be kind to each other. And what I'm going to say right now is be fucking kind to each other. Better be fucking kind to each other. Chris Hawk, take it away with the classic Chris Hawk send-off, the send us home. Sincerely, we want to thank every single buddy who listened to us. I'm pretty sure Mario's dad and family are on that list, hopefully, because Mario put a lot of work into every single episode and coordinating everything. Mario did it all. John, John was very organized. Um, John was very prepared to every single episode. I want to thank John also. John. He did. He got us. He gave us a voice. He gave us originality. He made us different. And not only that, he got us support where support was needed. We wouldn't have interviewed the actors we did if it wasn't for John. We wouldn't have had a Patreon. We wouldn't have had a newsletter. We wouldn't have had uh, the Audible ad if it wasn't for John Kenoki. So we want to thank John. And he is a part of the podcast no matter what he says. I don't watch movies. Yeah, I just I actually just look up uh, reviews on the internet and literally repeat that <laughs> when I'm talking to you guys. And we want to. I want to thank all of our friends that were that were included in the uh, Cinema Seven. This was a fun journey, and sometimes journeys end, and other doors open up. Who knows? We might start a rap group again, like we did <laughs> when we like we <laughs> when we were younger, um, but. Sincerely, um, this was very fun. This was people. I don't think people realize how hard it is to talk for an hour about something. And we're struggling right now. And we did it for six years. So we want to thank you always that you watched with us. I want to thank you always that you listened to us. And I want to thank you always for growing, having grown, and hopefully will grow with us. With us. And also the new motto. Well, the old the new old motto going forward is be kind. And care about yourself the way you care about others. Peace out. Ain't no valley low, ain't no river wide enough, baby. If you need me, call.
don't worry. We'll be back very soon. Hang on to your hats, folks, because you ain't seen nothing yet. That I will never retire! Okay, <laughs> yep. Okay, okay, see you later, alligator. Hey, Frank,